All right, so let's get started. Um, let me pray for us before we get started. Dear Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the family of God. Thank you for this time together, Lord. Please uh, bless uh, this little Zoom call that we have tonight. Father, let it be fruitful. Uh, let it um, renew our hearts and let it let our let our eyes stay focused on you. We love you. We pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, good evening, everyone. Um, we're going to start tonight um, with some memories. We're going to kind of just go down memory lane. We got some good uh, feedback uh, through email and text today from people. And of course, um, we have some of our own uh, favorite and most memorable moments ourselves. So, Luke, why don't you share some of your thoughts and some of your favorite uh, moments of the past 10 years? Yeah, so I set this up uh, earlier today with uh, today marking the 10-year um, anniversary of our first launch team meeting. And um, it's always good. One of the things that just uh, encourages my heart is to remember um, what God's done through the, through the years, um, uh, the fun times we've had, and some of the serious. So um, I, I think one of the things that's glaringly obvious to me is um, <clears throat> this the stint we did downtown and um, where we did childcare in those little office rooms, uh, you would walk over in those office rooms and the kids looked like they were in some kind of glass prison and the workers <laughs> looked like they needed a uh, Valium or something, yes. um, little eight by eight. So that's, that's one of the things that really kind of stood out to me. Yeah. Cause I, I remember vividly it was, it was when Hayes and like Hudson and Beckham and Seth and that eight, it was all together at the same time. They're like two years old at the time. And like, there's like 10 of those kids, in like a 10 by 10 room with two workers, and like these glass like doors and the whole room, the workers and the kids were like a horror movie. It's like just against the glass, just asking for help. And um, that was, that was interesting for sure. <laughs> I know Taylor sent me um, a story about uh, when we first started the church, uh, me and Tracy lived in a, a little townhouse. And it was a great townhouse. And Jason burned down. I did not burn it down. That's just a rumor. <laughs> um, that uh, um, we fit about seven or eight families in that little townhouse somehow. And we kept Little Caesars in business for about two years because nobody wanted to cook. It was hot and ready's every single week for our group. And um, it was a sweet time. Uh, that's also where Tim shared with me today where he shared that one time, that last 1% with me. And then I shared my sermon the next week. And so <laughs> he was a little offended by that, but that is, um, you got to ask permission. Gosh, to share yes, those you, stories. Do. you do, you do. But, um, I remember a time too, uh, this is early on and I didn't, I didn't ask permission to share this, but, uh, it was when, um, Elijah Richardson and Braden beverage were, uh, they were the ones that were two or three. Mm -hmm. And I remember Jamie and Chuck doing uh, childcare, and Jamie coming out from doing the child care in just complete tears. Just, this is when we were at the BIC, and mm -hmm. it was so loud in that big room. Um, and that was a rambunctious group of boys. And I was just like, man, I don't know how we're going to get through yeah. the child care piece of this, you know, kids ministry side of things. So that was one of the biggest obstacles starting off. Having sure. A bunch of young kids and right. everybody being worn out and tired. Um, one thing Taylor mentioned uh, as well, there was a season that her group, I guess for about a year, um, committed to tutoring these kids at this lower resource school for a year. And this group 
it's probably 10, 12 adults who also had young kids and kind of busy lives, but they spent every week for a year tutoring about 10 to 12 kids and they got involved in their lives. And the stories that they would share with us about being involved in all kind of drama with them, with their families and mess they get into was, it was crazy, but it was very fruitful for them. And as Taylor said, it was this great picture of family, but also this great picture of being a rescue ship at the same time, which is um, really cool. From a few of you I've heard back, just um, being supported and cared for. And as we walk with you through infertility, which is just such just a, just a tough thing to walk through and to be able to be a family together and just walk through heartache together, to cry together, to laugh together, to, to really be uh, this picture of family. Um, um, yeah, I, I remember, of course, you know, it should go without saying, but it really doesn't because people weren't here. Um, the season uh, that I shared you know, last week, I think with Jesse, was just a huge um, aspect of things when he moved from being, you know, sleeping in front of the door we would use when we were at Cohab under the bridge um, to really being part of our family. I remember when somebody in our church donated him a bike and he needed us to come and change something, uh, put a new seat on it, put new pedals on it. We go to his house. We're working on it for hours. It's a thousand degrees in there. I just thought that he was part of our family. Um, and uh, that was just a big part. Well, the shift for me personally. So when he was first there, um, so the first time I met Jesse, he was asleep in front of the door we entered to set up. And for some reason, I got chosen to wake him up. <laughs> and Jesse was a big dude. Um, and I tapped him on the shoulder, and he startled. And I put my hands up like this. Like, I was going to do anything, for one thing. And, um, and it went from that to the, to the next year. He's at my mother's house for Thanksgiving. And uh, it was just this just crazy, beautiful season to walk with him and let him teach us um, so, so many things. One of the great parts about being downtown that, uh, that I heard from some of you today and just over, even last week was just a diverse mix of people that would come in on a random Sunday. They would hear the music. They'd come in for the coffee. Uh, uh, exotic dancers getting off of work. People that were working at the casinos. I remember this one Sunday when Jesse had invited another um, homeless guy to come and uh, they were both sitting there and then somebody's we were having baby dedication that day and somebody's uncle or somebody was a state senator and he is sitting right next to jesse and this other guy and i just remember getting up to preach and being so choked up like i don't know if i can preach because this is such a beautiful picture of the church mm -hmm. like the church should be right as diverse as the city is and um and that we could come together and worship the same god i just thought that was just a beautiful picture yeah, another thing for me, this is a little off subject, but it's just to see the way our kids' ministry and student ministry has just developed and grown and raised up kids and students and now teenagers. You know, we're not joking. We said those first two, three, four years in kids' ministry, it was just really, it, that was the mission of the church the first two or three years was figuring out how to take care of kids and love on kids. And to see now a Robin just functioning her role with that team so well to see that kids camp last week pulled off last minute because we had no camp just encouraged my heart and to see our student ministry. I remember about five years ago, I stood up at some partner dinner. And I said, Hey guys, we have kids getting older and we need someone to step in 
and just help with teenagers. And I remember David Heather DeLoach and Jeff and Rhonda Grubbs raised their hands um, just as kind of the guinea pigs. And they just started meeting with students. There was no plan. There was no vision, no strategy, which is loving on students and being God's word. And now today to see almost 30 kids gathered together um, for the purpose of discipleship this morning with each other, it's just really encouraging to see that kind of develop um, and happen. Yeah. So that's good. Um, I laughed looking through some of the pictures. Uh, we had uh, four different times we had the we're moving cards, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which in yeah. like a two in like a two year period, uh, yeah. we're moving, we're moving again, we're moving. Um, that was interesting. Somebody had sent in playing off the rescue ship this morning. Uh, that, uh, that somebody showed up, uh, Brad Crenshaw showed up with, that who was? Showed no, up, it was, it was, uh, Brad Barry. Oh, showed up with the donut holes? You no, know, with donuts. With donuts. Yes. And Kaylee said, hey, I thought we were a rescue ship. And Brad said, yeah, these are little life preservers right here. <laughs> and so, you know, that was a good one. Well, you know, we had this rescue ship mentality and it was really woven into who we were. So much so that when Jesse, we started ministering to Jesse, he wanted coffee. And it was like we had to like have a real meeting that we were going to start making coffee um, because that was like almost a theological point. Like we were not going to offer coffee as a church because we're a rescue ship. I wasn't on that. I wasn't fighting that person, <laughs> but some people were fighting. That. They were. And it was so, good. No, that was good. I remember this is probably the last funny one. Uh, me and Tracy, I said this morning, I met her at Covenant. We had a, a very short courtship um, and Tracy did not want to plan a wedding. And so she was like, let's just go to Vegas bring our whole family, bring friends. It was great. But all of our friends were the church leaders. And so we left Luke and Ashley by themselves to pull off a Sunday. We had no childcare help um, to go get married. And so it was great, uh, you know, but still a little bitter. It was fun for me. And so I got married. It was good. But uh, I'll end, I guess, with a serious one on that, unless you had another one. Um, a couple of years ago, um, you talk about the kids ministry. I just remember, you know, my kids have grown up. Um, I think they were two and one when we started the church, Claire and Ellie. <laughs> and um, this is several years ago, but I just remember after service and the kids were in the service with us that day. And I remember getting in the car with Claire afterwards, as I guess me and Ashley divided and conquered to go home or whatever. <laughs> but uh, Claire gets in the back seat and says, uh, dad, um, I think God told me something today. I heard God speak today is what she said. And I got, you know, I don't know where she was going with that, but I got choked up. And um, we just went on to talk about what God was saying to her through the word. And um, just meant so much to me that my kids have grown up in an environment where um, God's word is central. And we're going to hold it as the highest authority in our lives and hopefully pass that love on to our kids. That's good. Uh Chris Gunter sent me a story about when they entered into the church a few years ago, and it was this great picture of life on life, subject and friendship, as Lindsay and Michael invited them in, and Chris and Mandy were just going through a difficult season with just adoption, parenting, and they were just, just tired. And to hear how well uh, Lindsay and Michael and others just loved them during that season was just a great picture of the Father's love for us and just really encouraged my heart to hear that story today and to think about a community of people. And I know there's story after story out there um, of just like that, of 
people just loving on people that no that nobody knows about. And that's probably one of the most encouraging things for me for sure. I know you don't want to fess up to it, Jason, but it was you too. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. I do love you. Um that part in uh, where Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's connected to, he, a couple of lines later, he says, the power of Christ is continually working in me. And um, man, that's just what gets me up in the morning, just to think that we're creating a faith family um, where that is the culture of Christ working in us. And we'll admit, uh, we've all got a long uh, way to go. And God is still working and Praise him for his long suffering and his kindness towards us in, um, in so many ways. Um, anything else you got there? Yeah, we're good. We're going to move on. I'm going to recap real quick uh, just this morning. Um, uh, we shared the three pictures that we've kind of used as um, <coughs> charting our course from the beginning of a family, a team, and a rescue ship. And um, we just kind of shared our heart this morning, if you missed it, just somewhere along the way, um, we've kind of veered off course a little bit. And I don't think it's been uh, in, a, in a really extreme way, but just being off a degree or two, um, over a long time, we're going to end up in a different uh, destination than we intended. And so five or six times since we started the church, we've had these little um, small course corrections, mid-course corrections, where we're seeing, okay, we need to line up. Um, a little bit uh, here, shift this, uh, recreate that. And so that's kind of the season we're in. Um, I think COVID uh, has shaken our foundation to see what we're, we were really tethered to and where our roots were really um, dug deeply. And um, from that, uh, Jason and I both took study breaks this summer and we came back to a little elder retreat for a day or two. And it just became very apparent. Within 15 minutes, we just knew exactly um, some shifts that, uh, that God would have us make. And so we talked about some of those this morning. Uh, the main shift um, from shallow to personal. Um, and uh, the opposite of shallow um, is not deep. The opposite of shallow is personal. And a lot of us in this social media-driven world, we've gone a mile wide and an inch deep in our relationships. And because of that, we're not really known. Uh, we communicate on this broad spectrum yet we don't know really the cries of people's hearts, um, what they're really walking through. And so this is gonna be a shift for, for us as a church. Yes, because of COVID, because it's harder to get everybody together. Some of our people um, uh, that are in that um, more risky uh, area from, from the disease, we've not seen them and that's discouraging. So we're gonna have to move from, from shallow to really personal. And uh, when you get personal with people, you automatically go deep because you're able to speak to the things that they're really struggling with. You're able to really hear them. I think some of that hopefully came through in Jason's passage in Romans 16. And we didn't have time to read the whole thing. I, I encourage you to go read it and underline. Uh, I don't know if you're into these flare pens like my kids are. Uh, underline in one color the names and another color what they did and what they brought and what they added to the church. It's just a beautiful thing. So we're currently um, enacting this shift, right, from, from shallow to personal. And the other uh, shift is from um, efficient to effective. Just being, I don't know if it's just being Americans, we want to get things done as efficiently as possible. I feel like I've had a good day 
when like everything just led to the next thing, led to the next thing, like a really good game of Tetris. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I got everything in its own little beautiful box. Um, and yet ministry doesn't really work that way. You think about the greatest ministry that Jesus did, and they were interruptions in his day. As he was headed this way, this is where he went. I think about John uh, 4, the woman at the well, like the greatest picture of this. The most, you know, efficient thing would have been to go with the disciples and they would have gone, but yet Jesus stopped and interruption. They had this conversation with her and reached the whole area, right, um, with the gospel. So this shift from efficient to effective. And, you know, that, re that requires all of us to have this um, spiritual ownership kind of mentality that we um, are going to own the spiritual conditions of our neighborhoods, own the spiritual conditions of our networks. And that doesn't mean that we feel like we're in charge of everyone's salvation. No, not that. But that we have a burden in our heart for them. And um, we weep with those who are weeping. And we celebrate with those who are celebrating. And, um, and we pray desperate prayers for them that God would reach into their um, situation and bring healing, bring restoration, bring reconciliation to themselves, um, to other relationships, and certainly to him. So that was kind of the main um, shifts we talked about this morning. And uh, Jason's going to walk us through, but those are still kind of ethereal. Like, what does that really mean exactly for our groups? So um, we've been trying to, like, Work on this, work on this, work on this, work on this. Um, oh, you did so. I was like, man, what happened? Um, yeah, no, you're good. Um, so we've been trying to work on this and um, trying to get it in some language that's helpful. And we've got a document that we're still in process of working on. But we're going to kind of let you see kind of behind the scenes look at that um, tonight. Go ahead. So, yeah, if you want to imagine like a, a funnel, like this morning was kind of like very broad as we kind of end tonight, we want to kind of get moved further and further and further. There was kind of, we all have a next step to take. And so as we kind of move the funnel down, we want to walk you through, as Luke said, these five pursuits as a people, as a church that we want to hold to. That, uh, that if we had no building tomorrow or no money tomorrow, these five pursuits would still guide us in what we do. Um, and so we're going to walk you through those, what the picture of those are, and kind of, and then kind of end the night on how that flushes out for us as a church. So um, our first pursuit. Uh oh. There we go. We need Phil here. Phil, yeah. Phil, can you like <laughs> just like zone in for us somehow? All right, I got it figured out. I think. Uh, our first pursuit um, is that we crave being with Jesus. The picture of this is us being worshipers, that before anything else, that we are a people, as we read in, I believe, Acts 5, that as the apostles spoke, they're like, what is going on with these people? They're uneducated people. They could tell they had been with Jesus. It's this picture as well, and I'll just, you know, tell you this, that on Sundays, we have something great to worship. It's not just Saturdays for football or Sundays for football or whatever your hobby is. It is this great joy that we gather with passion to sing and praise our God. I'll give you a picture of this. Uh, Luke and Ashley's little girl. If you ever seen Ellie on a Sunday, it is this beautiful picture of a little girl with childlike faith who loves Jesus and wants to praise him. 
and, and friends, we're all going to express that differently. I know there are some people that could put me to shame with their faith that just sing just like this with no emotion. I know that. Um, but there should be something within us that is deep, that just simply craves to be with Jesus. And not just on Sundays, of course. I think Sundays are kind of almost the culmination as we gather together. There's, there should be this joyful expectancy that God is going to move in our midst as we gather together this supernatural thing. And you would think during this COVID season where it's been so disconnected, um, this should be even more true. Um, Luke, any thoughts? No, I think that's it. You know, none of this works unless, unless we have a real heart for Jesus and a real relationship with him. Because from that, the overflow of everything is going to come. Um, when we walk with him, uh, even as we talked about this morning, his, our desires line up with his desires, and he begins to change us to a picture of John 15, connected to the vine. Um, when we abide in him is when we bear much fruit. And um, that's just something about you're just not going to be able to not do that. Right. And I, I would love when people gather with us that there's just this real sense of God's presence. Um, even people from the outside who don't know him, that, they would come in and there'd be a sense of life and um, expectancy um, when we met together. I'll say this too. This is one thing. If we are not being in the presence of Jesus in our own secret place, it's not going to happen on Sunday either. That is birthed out of basically you and God, just being you and God. And there is this sweet relationship um, where when you come on Sundays, it's just this overflow of what you're already doing in your own life. And and I know even Phil is trying, is praying and trying to cultivate that kind of, for us to be, to be a worshiping people together. Yeah, I think the question is to kind of see where we're at on that is just to ask yourself, what has God uh, revealed to you lately? What's, what's he saying? And, and it's, a, it's a pretty short test um, if we're really walking with him through the word. That's good. So that's kind of like the first kind of thing that launches us off as the first pursuit. Uh, this second pursuit, it's this idea of how we rest in a transformed identity. This is really a picture of us being disciples together. And what's interesting is this kind of, and Jesus says this almost paradoxical kind of look at discipleship, where on one hand, Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and rest, correct? And the next breath, he says, take up your cross and you follow me. But what it is, is when we truly rest in the finished work of Jesus, his burden is light. It is light. The, the yoke is light, correct? We try to take on our own burdens, our own things, our own weights. That's when it's heavy. And so this picture of discipleship is this picture, what I would tell you, of we all need people in our lives. This happens in relationship, life on life, discipleship. And let me just say this very quickly. You cannot force this. Like we, we, we can't make this happen, what I'm trying to say. We can't develop a program, some great whiteboard to make you do this. This comes down to a person who wants to disciple someone and someone who wants to be discipled. It really is that simple. I think the, when we first started stepping into this was our season of huddles. And um, I remember several iterations of different huddles that I was in. And a lot of them were just small talk and shallow stuff until someone was really walking through crisis. Um, I remember someone a uh, guy in our group and, you know, we're just, 
we would go around and share about the burdens. And, um, you know, I remember one guy saying, you know, I'm really thinking about divorcing my wife. And then things got real serious because now we're not just talking about pleasantries anymore. We're talking about real life kind of stuff. Um, or someone saying, you know, I, you know, my wife has actually left me. She's moved out. Um, just real, when one person kind of took that next step, we were all able to um, share and apply the gospel to that situation and him personally, and then commit to praying and walking with him. Um, we just saw incredible growth. Um, and I can speak for the, the men specifically, those are the huddles I ran, but just men taking on um, their role in leading their home, starting family worship services, repenting over things, um, us holding each other accountable, covenant eyes on everybody's phone, uh, texting about, you know, being in God's word and what God's saying. There just became this real brotherhood of accountability. And when you look at this idea of discipleship, it is not optional in the Christian faith. It just really isn't. Um, yes, uh, Jesus would continue to clarify what it meant to really be a disciple, really come after him. And, um, and it uses things like iron sharpening iron, all the things that it uses, uh, the descriptions of discipleship are really painful and yet um, so rewarding because that's how we were, we were made for this, right? So that's just kind of picture of discipleship, but it's also, as you talk about this picture of rest, because we're not having to prove anything or earn anything. We're perfectly loved children of God. We can rest in that. And because we have nothing to earn and nothing to prove, now we can, we can bring all of our junk to the table and we can let the gospel do its work. I know in the past two or three months, we've kind of piloted, piloted five or six of these discipleship groups that we're talking about. And to hear the stories from some of these men, or, men and women of there is beauty in feeling safe to be transparent with your sin. There is rest and beauty and having someone hold you accountable to the greatest thing in the world, walking with God. That, that is beautiful and restful um, to hear the stories. And here's the thing. This is simple but hard. This is not complex, friends. It is you and a few other people that you trust and love simply letting God's word define your relationship, how you walk together. It's that simple. And so what we are praying is that we as a people can learn to walk in this picture of being disciples, or in other words, apprentices of Jesus where we're, we're learning to do what Jesus did. So he talked about the fruits of the Spirit, and, and uh, Paul does, and that's doing what Jesus did, walking in his ways. So we've talked about being um, worshipers, disciples, and now we move to this third pursuit of we hold a personal calling. This is a picture of a missionary where each one of us on this call, we have a neighborhood, and a network, a network of co-workers, a family, of friends, uh, people we play soccer with or work out with. We have a neighborhood and a network, as Luke said earlier, that we go to bed burdened for. We can't save them. We can't make this happen. But we do go to bed burdened for our slice of the world. Because we see in Acts 17, I believe, God has decided where we're going to live, work, and play. God has placed you where you are for a reason. And we're called to be part of his restoration plan within that slice. And there should be this natural kind of building of people around us just from us living life as missionaries. 
Yeah, I mentioned it this morning, um, that, uh, that place in uh, Nehemiah 2, where Nehemiah says, I had not revealed to my friends yet what, uh, what God had laid on my heart. And when we walk with God, um, he makes us pretty burdened about them. We heard from Cassie last uh, week, and it's so unique. Like, her heart, she didn't even try to start the hub, she was telling us. Like, her heart was for um, just those people. And so she just ministered to them. And she said, every good thing that's happened, she bumped into. And I kind of know what that feels like. Um, but it was just incredible, like this personal calling. And then the week before, we talked to Stephen, which is incredible mm -hmm. personal calling. And, and this doesn't always happen in like uh, this, this big way. Yeah, it changes yeah. your vocation. Um, there's people in our church, and their, their heart is so heavy for certain things. And we want to help you dial into what that is and that you would have this um, you would have just this real burden in your heart um, for these people, for this place, and that you would take steps of obedience as you kind of walk that out. No, that's good. You know, and I really think uh, a few years ago, even Weston, he was on our Bozier staff team, helped us kind of see this picture. There's this great phrase that we heard from him, this phrase of in your neighborhood as it is in heaven. That we should be doing this kingdom type work where God has placed us. That our neighborhoods, our networks should look different because a Christian is there. So we're worshipers, we're disciples, we're missionaries, we're family. We are a unified community. Picture this is being a family. Um, just this. Um, this is probably one of the more difficult things in our context in just the world today with social media, with um, just a level of political dialogue. Um, I could not have imagined 10 years ago, 15 years ago to see, uh, you think about after 9-11, when there was a sense of unity in our country for like, you know, a month or something. Um, and to see where things are now with the division um, and that friends, that division is seeping into the church. And I think many times we're being discipled by, by the world and culture and politics and news more than actually by the Bible. And so we have to really um, be mindful of this. And even as Paul said in Romans today, we have to be watchful against being disunified. And so, but we are a unified community. The picture of this is being a picture of a family. Yeah. Um, and when you look at scripture, uh, it talks about like we don't create unity, but it is our job to maintain the, the unity, um, maintain unity. And that's what uh, says in Ephesians that we would maintain the unity of the family. Um, some of you may have seen uh, and I don't think uh, he would mind me sharing this, but uh, Tyler Spears and I had a little disagreement on Facebook um, a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, like grownups do. Uh, we went and sat down and talked about it. And um, we met at a coffee shop and both of us sat down and both of us, you know, it was like, a, like who talks first. Uh, both of us just started with an apology. Mm -hmm. Hey, if, if you took that the wrong way, I didn't mean it that way. Um, and then we just had a beautiful conversation for two hours about some of the things we disagreed about and most of the things we do agree about. And, um, and it was just a really sweet time. And, and that's the point, um, you know, if you're offended by someone, um, let it go if you can. Uh, if you can't let it go, you give it to God. 
And if you still can't let it go and you've given it to God, then you go to the person. Like that's how you build a unified community. That's right. Not to, not to make caricatures of each other, um, all the things. And um, the world deserves more from us, the church, than that. I understand that's how, that's how the, the world might work. But um, we've got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we are reconcilers and peacekeepers. And uh, that's the call of God in our life. And sometimes the greatest thing we can do, even as you talked about today, Jason, is just meet somebody for coffee, call them on the phone, um, agree to disagree. Yes, we're not asking for uniformity. It's unity, not uniformity. And that's the, uh, that's the picture of a real unified community. Yeah, and even add to that, if we could just learn to show an extra level of grace to each other, just an extra level of grace. And we do that by looking up and realizing how much grace has been shown to us. If we drink in the grace and mercy of God, we will pour out grace and mercy so easily. This comes back to being with Jesus, doesn't it? As we are with Jesus and we're in his word, we're going to drink in grace. And we really have no choice but to show grace. Being a unified community is really a picture of putting preferences on a lower, lower playing field, that the kingdom reigns over our preferences. So if you feel this way politically, that is fine. That is good. That's your plan for health care. Amen. That's great. Kingdom reigns here. Kingdom reigns. Um, if this is your thought for this, that's great. It's your opinion. Kingdom reigns. Um, I, I read a quote the other day from someone that's a Republican Christian and a Democrat Christian should have more in common than a Democrat Christian and Democrat non-Christian. That our political views, our cultural views, fall under our views and our paradigm of the kingdom of God. So that is kind of this picture of us being a family. And so our last pursuit as we talk tonight, we kind of then begin to move even deeper into kind of details, is this picture of us seeking biblical justice and mercy. It's this picture of us being servants is what it is. Um, that is the picture of Jesus, isn't it? Jesus was a servant um, and had no reason to be a servant. He poured his life out for us. And so for us, from the beginning, we have said that we're here to seek and to save the last, the lost, and the least. And if we are overlooking the least of these among us, um, we have fallen off the way of Jesus. And this can be difficult if we're being, if we can just speak to some tension on this. From a people who live in the suburbs, this can be a difficult process. But talking even to my, my friend and sister Jamie the other day, she was telling me many times she looks out her store and she sees all this need in front of her. In the middle of Benton, it's this growing, affluent area. So if you look out your door, you can find need. And that we are the Jesus people. We don't run away from the need. We run to the need, to every sphere. And we've seen this in pockets in our church, right? As we've seen people take a year and tutor kids. As we've seen people get involved in foster care ministry. That is as hard and as tiring as you can imagine. Seeing people get involved with the homeless among us. All these different things. Uh, people in our church getting involved in racial reconciliation, trying to find out different blind spots in our culture, in our lives, and in our church. Seeking these different areas that God has placed us in. It's this idea of moving from doing events 
because this is the tension for us. We can go, we can do an event once a month at the hub and not really be involved in justice and mercy. We're involved in kind of throwing an event once a month. It's going from event to real heart-based ownership. Yeah, we talked about this. I was talking about this uh, with Kaylee a couple of weeks ago. And um, my heart is that, uh, that our heart would really beat for God's heart. And, and what he said is that if you're not, uh, you know, clothing the naked and feeding the hungry and giving, giving drink to the thirsty and serving the prisoners, then, you know, what is your faith really? If it's not impacting you caring for the least of these, he even says, you know, they're going to say, well, you know, Jesus, when did we give you water? When did we give you? And he said, when you were serving the least of these, you were serving uh, me. And I think that's just, you know, that's, that's part of what it's going to require of us. And I think about just my, just this idea of, of family, as I was talking to Kaylee, I, I want it to be, you know, when you, when you serve your kids <laughs> and, uh, you know, your kids have had just a trying day and they've been so annoying and needy and all the things. And yet you put them to bed and you're exhausted and you go check on them before you go to bed and you see them sleeping. And your heart is just enveloped by them. Like, you know, it's this weird thing. You just love them so much. And no matter what you put into them, it is worth it because you love them to that degree. And um, that's what this, if we allow God to cultivate this in our hearts, that's, that's how we should respond. And uh, conversely, uh, and this is what Kaylee and I'm talking about, it feels a little bit more like babysitting right now. When you watch someone else's kid, and you take good care of them, but you're glad when they leave kind of thing. Um, sometimes that's what this kind of ministry feels like at our church. And I want it to be a deeper, more personal. I'm not sure what words really describe that, but that's kind of what we're hoping for. God, show us um, where part of society is ripping apart and let us bring the gospel as this uh, great healing remedy and walk into that. And no, we're not going to solve every problem. And that's not even the point. The point is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. If you, if you saw, I used that Dallas Willard quote a few, uh, a couple months ago that, um, I get this feeling like the place where Jesus would be hanging out in our day is with the Greyhound bus stop where there's so much need. And that's just where he would be ministering and loving on people. And, um, and that's going to take some steps for us, that we would really be this idea of servant, um, willing to go wherever God asks us to go, to do whatever God asks us to do. And again, the point is not efficiency. Uh, the point is effectiveness, showing up with real joy and seeing what God does through our obedience to that. That's good. It's this idea of where our, our passion and need kind of meets, where you have a heart for something and you see a need, those things meet and where we can enter in. And our hope is to unleash our church, unleash our missional communities, to really be free to live out uh, this idea of seeking justice and mercy. So we walk through five pursuits tonight, this idea of these pictures of us being worshipers, disciples, missionaries, family, and servants. But for us to, to really live out these five pursuits, we're going to have to make some shifts for us, the church, and not just during COVID, but maybe permanently for us to church to kind of seek out how to live these things out. There's the image that you shared with me, the funnel image. Do you have that on there? This is a great picture here of moving from shallow to personal where, um, and nothing wrong with Sunday driven ministry or anything like that, but where God is leading us 
is to have the small kind of help drive this ship going forward, to drive this rescue ship going forward, to not necessarily focus on, on the big and gathering on a Sunday and then funneling down from there, but how can the small begin to kind of lead out? And from there, we're going to see all kind of ministry happen and people reached that never come to our church, just the people who are doing this in a small way, and we begin to see our little community saturated with the gospel. Yeah, I think this is, um, this is just hugely impactful. Um, you know, there's been some, uh, you know, this, this idea of racial reconciliation that has kind of been kind of just brought up in, into, uh, I guess, the uh, societal awareness in a way that we've never seen before. And I've had my own journey here. Um, and, you know, a lot of people uh, run to Facebook and make posts, and, and that's fine. Um, but I know what I've done, and I've seen even you do, is to get really personal. I've sat down with many, many people, um, um, some, some of my African-American brothers and friends, and just listened. And when you really listen, you, you get this, you gain this broader vantage point of what, of what, what actual reality is. Um, there's this universal repentance for the part that we've played in it. And you can actually care and love someone through this thing. And I think that's this picture of this discipleship strategy. It is, it is a life on life, seeking to learn, grow in the ministry of Jesus. And that is always small. It is always personal where you can really hear. I know the group of guys that I meet with regularly, we've been texting um, and, and calling, and I've been meeting with them one-on-one -on -one more than we've met all together recently. But um, it's just it's such encouragement to my own heart, so much growth and accountability and this is what you see is Jesus spent time with the three, Peter, James, and John, and then the 12. And, you know, and then the number kept getting kind of bigger and bigger. And ultimately, they changed the landscape of the entire world um, because of the investment they made in a few. Now that's good. Uh, one thing we've noticed during COVID, uh, you know, as a rescue ship, uh, the motor as it is, is kind of sputtering out that um, the, the, the Sunday impact is not what it was six months ago. The megaphone of a sermon is not what it was six months ago. And um, that is, that's not necessarily a bad thing because now we can unleash the body of Christ through the body of Christ. But we preach from Hebrews that there's this priesthood of all believers, but we don't functionally live as a church, as churches that way many times. And so this shift from shallow to personal is really a shift to kind of like this dual engine we're talking about right now, where it's going to go ahead, Luke. Yeah, it's just this movement. For a long time, we've made, um, we've been a, a single prop plane with one engine, and that engine basically being um, our community groups or missional communities. And yes, there's other parts of the plane that are important. You're not going anywhere without the wings for sure, um, uh, which you could say is our Sunday gathering and other things. But what we're trying to do is move to like a, a dual engine kind of model where it's our missional communities and it's these discipleship groups that become the major propulsion forward of our church. Because, you know, say this pandemic gets worse and we're shut back down, we can't gather, people are uncomfortable gathering, but you can still be personal with a few. You can still make phone calls. You can still um, do, do these Zoom calls one-on-one, -on -one, gather with your huddle, that kind of thing. Um, 
And, and, and I think that's what we're talking about is, is, is really the major shift is this elevating these discipleship groups. Um, and again, these aren't forced. You can't force these things. You can invite other people into them and um, you can read God's word together. And I don't yeah, I think um, this is what I'll share with you. This is interesting. I was looking back at um, in December of last year, my end of the year uh, journal. I, I'm that kind of person. And, uh, and I wrote down uh, just some things God was putting on my heart. And I wrote down that every person at Covenant would have someone they could say is discipling them. I wrote down in my journal before I knew, a, you know, I did not know a pending was coming to our church, that we're going to have to switch to this kind of smaller way of doing church. But God has been birthing this in us for years, this kind of real shift to the really small and personal. And so to give you just some, on the two things, the missional community and the discipleship groups, these kind of shifts, here's our prayer for our missional communities. Yes, we gather. Yes, we share meals. But what about this? What if our missional communities were vehicles to really meet the brokenness in the world? I remember years ago, that, that community group, that they took on this burden of tutoring those kids. And they were involved in ministry that you could not imagine for a year, year and a half. Even to this day on some level, I believe it with relationships. That what if our missional communities found the thing, the, the part of brokenness in the world, that they were called to meet, they were called to serve. Maybe that's the hub for your group. So maybe your group decides not just do a, a meal at the hub, but finds a way to make friends with the residents of the hub to do life with them, encourage them, care for them, all those kinds of things. Maybe it's foster care, maybe it's adoption ministry. Maybe it's a host of things in our world. But I'm praying our missional communities can be, in a sense, be freed up to really go out and do ministry. And this kind of second piece of the puzzle, the discipleship group. Do not let this um, word or idea begin to scare you or worry you. They really do three things. First, a group provides encouragement and accountability. I can tell you more than anything in this world. I was, on, I was with my guys on Wednesday night, and I had a rough day on Wednesday. I was pissy. I'm sorry. I was in a bad mood. Um, sorry I said that. I was in a bad mood. And my, my, my mom's going to get on golly, I'm, I'm sorry, Miss Leslie. Do not get mad at me. Um, and, uh, and just the encouragement of being around other believers, saying it's going to be okay. What was God's word like this week? Just that encouragement. And then on the back end, the accountability to show up and confess the struggles. My soul desperately needs, and hear this, every Christian needs encouragement and accountability. Second thing, we help each other hear and obey God's word. So God's word is not a, a textbook to learn or something to get through. It's the living word of God. As we read God's word, it should speak to us. And there should be things in our life that we have to deal with. And in these little groups, we help each other hear what God is saying and actually obey that, accountability to obey God's word. And then last thing, we pray for the lost around us, that we know there's brokenness. We have our little slice of the world, our personal calling that we hold to, right? And that we, we partner together to pray. I know your people, you know my people, and we pray together for our people. So there's encouragement, accountability, we hear and obey God's word, and we pray for the lost around us. And every Christian needs that kind of relationship. 
And so our hope is that every person, this might not happen, but our hope is that every person that calls covenant their home could answer this question, who is discipling them? And then one day, not to scare you, you will go out and disciple somebody else. That we could say, who discipled me and who am I discipling? That is the three to the 12 to the 70 to the 500. Can you imagine in three years if we, the 80 on this phone call, whatever it is, were to actually take this seriously and begin to be encouraged to walk with God and pray for the lost and the brokenness around us and meet those needs? And then we go in a year or two and make other disciples, and then a year they make other disciples. What could our community look like? So that is our hope, and that is our prayer. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, this sounds a little churchy, but you don't have to have, um, if you feel like you have all your stuff together, um, you don't. It just, you just don't. This, we all struggle. I remember one of the most fruitful seasons of this. There was a guy in our church, and he's moved away now. Um, but I invited him to come, and he said, man, I don't think I should come because I don't, I don't even know if I'm a believer. And I was like, this would be the perfect place for you. Um, and he came, and we talked, and we wrestled with things. Um, and, uh, and God just did this incredible thing in his life through that time. But it all took you know, him taking a step and saying, you know what, I'm going to show up yeah. um, regardless. So that's our hope on the discipleship groups. And listen, you don't have to wait for us to start a program to do this. Um, you can start this now, but we do want to help you get connected. We do want to resource you, encourage you. Um, we've got some stuff there, and you'll be hearing more and more about that. So as a result of kind of as the funnel's getting smaller for us, is kind of our next step as a result of some of these shifts, we have four next steps we're asking you to take with us. Go ahead, Luke. Um, just schedule a 30-minute meeting with uh, Jason or Luke. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, a, a lot of the pastoral work that we do is when we see you on Sunday and, you know, um, I, I'm ready to hug people again. And, wow. you know, Whoa. I, and I don't even Whoa. know. If Luke is ready to hug, COVID is officially one. Yeah. So, um, but you know, we get to hear how you're doing, man, it's been a rough week. We don't get a lot of that anymore. It's hard to read people's faces with the mask on. And so it just is for me. And, you know, I just don't know. Um, this would just really help my heart. And I think Jason's too, just to connect with you. Um, so there's going to be uh, a it's little. It's already gone out. I'm okay. Right. I think it's already been sent out. A little calendar way, place for you to sign up. And we can meet uh, over Zoom as, as, if that works or coffee or here at the office, however you guys want to um, work that out. But if you want to sign up uh, to meet with either Jason or myself, and we're going to try to do all of this in the next few months, try to meet with everybody in our church on some level. So that's the first thing. That's kind of just a pastoral, how you doing, checking in kind of thing. Absolutely. We love you. want to see you. Uh, second thing is this right here, is for you to connect with your MC leader to discuss how your MC will serve and engage the brokenness in our world. Basically, just, just go and dream together. Like, what, what could it look like for you and your MC um, to really engage the loss and the brokenness around you? Um, man, this is so exciting to me to think about what could happen in six months or a year from us engaging this. And this is not a foreign concept either. I mean, we, we used to do this really well as a church. Um, I'm, some of the things the Blanchard Group has done and the way that they've mm -hmm. served, mm -hmm. I know. Um, and they're still doing that, caring for each other. But, you know, throwing fall festival. I know we had, even in Benton, we had a lady that taught uh, at Metaview. They didn't have the resources to put on a fall festival. Yeah, I, 
during COVID. I can't even imagine us doing the ball festival anymore. Um, <laughs> but, so sad. but their group just bonded together and uh, rented the jumpies and all the things and basically provided a fall fest for a school that could not do it. They didn't have the resources or the manpower. And that's just a beautiful thing. And it all started with them dreaming about, hey, what through your connection are you passionate about? Where do you see some brokenness? Where could we step in as a church and love our community, care for others, um, provide, meet a felt, a specific need? There's so many of these around us, but we've got to take time to really think and dream about where. And let me add one thing, too. If you combine this missionary piece of us having networks and neighborhoods, I will tell you, as you engage the brokenness around us, that's a great environment to invite your lost neighbor or lost family member to enter that brokenness with you and to actually see a picture of the church that is living out the ways of Jesus. Um, I'll say one more thing about this. This will not always be this big, grand, like sexy thing. Um, many times it's small and unseen and people in your group are already doing this and it's just kind of uh, supporting and encouraging in the midst of this. So we go in, we're, we're not trying, God is at work already. We're simply putting our ear to the ground and trying to see where God is at work. That's the second piece. Uh, third step we're encouraging people to take. Join a discipleship group. Um, in the email, there's a, a short kind of interest survey that if you want to kind of tip, dip, tip your toe in the water, you're not committing anything right away, but exploring this. Um, I will say this, we don't want to force this. Um, we want to help people connect who already have relationship. But we want to make sure if you want to be discipled, that we connect you with someone who can disciple you. Our hope is that in the fall, we launch about 25 of these groups. We're trying to train up leaders right now. They're going to lead out in some of these things. Really, really excited about this. Yeah. And last step, most important step, walk with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. That if we are not walking with Jesus, if that's not the essence of what we are doing, all this is going to be in vain. Yeah, John 15, again, just reminds us that our, our spiritual need is not partial but total. Um, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And um, that is just where, that's just where it is. When I look at my own anxiety, when I look at when uh, I give in a temptation, fall into sin, get bitter and angry with people, it's almost always um, when I'm not really walking with Jesus. And so that's kind of our heart there, that we would always encourage each other to walk with Jesus. That's good. Okay. Um, I don't have the little group thing here. So. Okay. Well, um, let me see if I do. Yeah, you do. Breakout rooms. Okay. We're going to try to send everybody to breakout rooms. So if you're on the call and you feel so uncomfortable praying with someone else. Um, over Zoom, especially. Over Zoom. Now would be a, a good time. We're, to... we're going to pray. And then when we're praying, if you want to um, back out awkwardly, that is the time to do it. And here's why. Last time we did this, there were a few people, because people kind of left last minute, they didn't have uh, prayer partners, which is very sad. And so um, if you don't want to pray with someone, no judgment. If you feel awkward over Zoom. Just whenever Luke's praying in a second, just go ahead and log off, close your computer, um, so we can kind of have breakout rooms um, with people. What are we going to pray for, Luke? Uh, just when you get in your breakout room, what's just the big thing that you're going to bed thinking about? It's just a burden on your heart. What's one of the big, big burdens on your heart? Um, and you'll just each kind of share what that is, and you'll pray for each other. So you can, y'all can figure out how to do it. You'll go around and I'll pray or one person pray or however y'all want to do it. We won't uh, get into all that, but it's America. It's a free country. Yeah, there you go, man. Yeah.
Um, so I'm going to pray for us and you'll set up the breakout thing and we can send people. Hey, thank you guys for jumping on. Um, a lot of this, we still want to flesh out. We actually do have a document that we want to share with you. So that's coming and, um, uh, in the future. And then next week, we're going to start a five part, uh, sermon series where we're going to go through each one of these steps and a little bit more, um, uh, with a slower pace where we can kind of flesh this out through scripture. So love you guys. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to, uh, um, move to groups, pray. God, thanks for today. Thank you for your incredible love for us. Thanks for all we've celebrated of what you've done in and through us at Covenant Church. Um, Lord, this is your church. You are the, the lead senior pastor of our church. You are chief shepherd. We want to follow you. Lord, where we're off, um, bring conviction in our hearts about it. Give us vision for what it means to follow you in this day. Lord, I pray through... Um, just the season of COVID and everything's so shaky and we don't know what the next day is really going to hold. Lord, would you just, um, would we dig deep roots into you and trust you? Lord, thank you for what you're doing in and through us. Lord, I, I thank you for what you're going to do in the future. Lord, as you keep working in our hearts, Lord, we pray for a harvest of souls. We really do. We pray that, that we would see people step from death into life. We pray for um, more, more homeless to be served and to find homes and for more kids to be adopted and more foster kids to be served um, and on and on. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet, um, unapologetically bringing the good news of Jesus wherever we go. And um, Lord, thank you for our, our friends and our family that's on this thing, it's in, on this call tonight. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.